Uh, yesterday, we were up at Woodgrove, and uh, Dean and I just took a minute, went over to Five Bucks, and got a coffee over there, and it was just wandering around a little bit, and I thought, thinking about this, oh, the delayed reaction, yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you for that. I thought, well, I'll just wander around chapters a little bit, I was thinking about my message, and I, and I wandered into the faith and spirituality aisle at chapters. I thought, well, I'm just curious to see what's there, you know. Uh, you know, and there was some good stuff. There was actually some Bibles there, but there was a whole lot of other stuff. Uh, and I just wrote a few titles down that I just noticed there. Uh, everyday Angels, How to Encounter, Experience, and Engage Angels in Everyday Life. The Lost Gospel, Decoding the Ancient Text that Reveals Jesus' Marriage to Mary of Magdalene. Kindred Spirit, You Are a Goddess, Practices to Awaken Divine Feminine Energy. I didn't open that one, okay? Just just saying, all right? Become the Force. Nine lessons on how to live as a Jedi-esque master. Okay, I almost bought that one. Mmm, struck you alive. Mm Mmm, yeah. But the most interesting one that I saw in that whole, those shelves was this one. It's written by a New York Times best-selling author. Uh, A Religion of One's Own, A Guide to Creating a Personal Spirituality in a Secular World. We definitely live in an age of designer religion, do-it-yourself religion. And as I was thinking about that, sitting there having my coffee and looking at some of those books and praying about the message today, I realized, you know what? What we're looking at in a 2,000-year-old book is actually very, very current. Uh, this book, the book of Colossians that we've been in for a couple of weeks is probably written around AD 60. And I was thinking, well, what if I were to have been in chapters in AD 60? What might some of the titles be on the chapters bookshelf in Colossae in AD 60? Well, here's a few that might be on there. Uh, Seven magic steps to look Jewish without actually being Jewish. Uh, The practical guide to reaching out to angels for fun and profit. I actually wrote that before I went to chapters. Um, The all-new sugar-free, gluten-free, carb-free, meat-free, hormone-free, caffeine-free diet for greater spirituality. (laughs) What I love about the Word of God is it's very, very current. And there was uh, pressures coming against this new baby church in Colossae. Uh, about AD 60, and Paul is riding to the church and helping him to see some of these heresies and some of these isms that were being pushed on the Christians to, to set them on a different course than what Christ had set them on. Um, we want to take a look as we look at some of these things today about being aware of self-made religion. And so I just want to read uh, Colossians 16 through the end of the chapter there. You know, I'm like a broken record. I encourage you to bring your Bible to church. I know it kind of has gone out of style, but uh, educators say if you can read something while someone's talking, you even get more out of it. So I encourage you to do that. But I just want to read it. Uh, this is Colossians 2, beginning in verse 16. Paul says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going into details about visions, puffed up without reason and by a sensuous mind, not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that's from God. 
if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why do you still, why as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These indeed have appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this scripture. God, I pray that you open up our minds this morning. Lord, I know there's so much air that comes at us to distract us and to derail us and to get us off course. And God, I pray that you bring a clarity Right now, even, Lord, we say this space, we declare this space is clear for you in the name of Jesus, Lord, to come and do your work. Holy Spirit, shine light on anything that we've bought and picked up on that's not of you. Lord, we want to walk with you in honesty and integrity and the reality of your plan for us. So, Lord, we ask your help in this this morning. Amen. So, what were some of the components of this first century-ism, this designer religion that was threatening the church at Colossae? There's a couple things that Paul identifies in here. Um, The first, I think, I could just call religious rituals. We see that in verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on questions of food or drink with regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath. These were all Old Testament uh, things that were established in the Old Testament. There were seven major festivals. You probably know about this. Um, Things that were, this is all very Jewish, this first part. So whatever this ism was, they were taking some Judaism, some Jewish stuff, and mixing it into the stew. And this was the Jewish part. So he says, don't let anybody pass judgment on you in these matters of food and drink or with regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath. These Jewish holidays, they were things that God had established in the Old Testament. They were God kinds of things. But their intention was to point us toward the Messiah. So you think about all those different feasts, just the Day of Atonement, okay? It's a picture of looking forward to the final and complete sacrifice of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, on the cross. In each of those festivals, each of those things pointed to to Christ. But after Christ arrived, after he had come to the earth and had given his life and risen from the dead, those festivals passed away. The dietary laws, all the things that, were, that meant so much to the Jews that God had been very clear about it, what his intentions were, passed away in Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I actually came to fulfill the law. So he completed the law and Jesus declared all foods clean and all those dietary laws passed away. And those, those religious festivals really weren't necessary anymore because Jesus had come and he was present on earth and living in Christians' lives. So Paul says, don't let anybody judge you on these things. Verse 17, they're a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. You see the issue of the shadow, and now once Jesus has come, that's what we embrace, and we can let go of those religious rituals and those laws and those dietary things in the Old Testament. They had a purpose. Paul calls them a tutor to teach us about Christ, but when Christ comes, we embrace the reality of who he is, And the shadow disappears. But this designer religion, this ism that was coming against the church, wanted to resurrect some of those things and make you be in the in club because you went to this thing or you celebrated this thing or you had this thing. And and Paul's saying, look, you're missing the whole point. Those things have passed away because Jesus is here. This is not just a first century thing. We have to be careful about this with each other, even in the 21st century. We have to be careful on laying things on each other that are not things from God necessarily. Uh, it's great to have a quiet time. You know, it's good to spend time with the Lord, reading the Word every day. But, you know, if you lay that on somebody else, did you have your quiet time today? And are you spiritual? And did you read the 58 books of the Bible this month? You know, it's, you're missing the point. 
It's great to be able to come to a connect group, but oh, we missed you at connect group. Where were you? You missed four connect groups, you know? Okay, it's good to go to connect group. Prayer meeting, oh, we didn't see you at prayer meeting. Have you heard that, you know? How do you say to someone, we missed you at prayer meeting? It just never comes out right, you know? So we can lay things on each other if we're not careful about religious uh, rituals or events even in the church that are good things, that are God things, but we can miss the very point of the event. You see what I'm saying? So you can say, come to church, and I come to church because I'm used to coming to church. It's a, it's a ritual. I do it on Sunday morning, and I can miss Jesus even in the midst of that. We can become surrogates, you know? We can come to a, even a worship service as good as this morning was. We can sit here and watch these guys just giving it all and go, oh, wasn't that great? I did church. And we can miss Jesus in that. The gathering together is only for the purpose of seeing Jesus and experiencing Jesus together. So don't get hung up on religious stuff, even on good Christian churchy events, and miss the point of the events, which is for us to grow and to know Jesus greater. So we can make the same mistake. Be careful of the, just putting importance on religious rituals. What else? Another component for this ism that was coming against this first century church was, I just don't want to call it except ecstatic experiences. Look in verse 18. Paul talks about this. He says, let no one disqualify you. Insisting on asceticism, that means denial of uh, things that your body needs or wants. We'll talk about that in a minute more. But let no one disqualify you because of asceticism. And worship of angels, going into detail about visions, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind. So whatever this ism that was coming against the church, it had to do with angels and, and worshiping angels and, and seeing visions and being the guy who saw this very special thing and come to me because I have the inside track on an angelic message for the church. And it talks about a sensuous mind, meaning a mind that wants to gain attention. So maybe there was one leader or a group of leaders that were coming against the church saying, I got something special. You know, I, I met an angel, an angel talks to me and I got the inside track and come to me. That's essential. So I need to be important. I need you to look at me. I need you to, to stroke me and say, well, you really are a spiritual person. That's, a, that's an evidence of a, sens- a sensual mind. And these ecstatic, ecstatic experiences have gotten out of control. They, they've lost their whole grounding, and they were becoming the thing. Now, these are all real. Angels are real in the Bible. It's so clear. Look at Jesus' life. I mean, God's sending angels and all kinds of stuff in Jesus' life. Visions, dreams, those things are all real, and they're all used by the Holy Spirit. But they're given to us to point us to God's purposes and point us back to Jesus. They don't become the thing, okay? It's like a sign. You know, if you're going down the road in the middle of nowhere and you want food and you see, sorry, some of you don't think McDonald's is food, but I do. And you see a sign for McDonald's, you don't stop at the sign and say, oh, kids, get out of the car. Let's have some sign. No, the sign points you to the meal or whatever you think is there. Okay, so that's the same way with our visions and angelic visitations, all of which are God kinds of things, but they're not the end of the road. They point us to who Jesus is, okay? But what had happened was these guys had made the, 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 the things, the experiences, the thing, and they were missing who Jesus was. Matter of fact, Paul's very clear. He says they've gotten puffed up and without reason, and they're not holding fast to the head. Remember, we talked about Jesus last week being the head of the body. Um, They're not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that's from God. They had missed the point of all of these experiences and were making them the thing. Why angels? 
Angels were a big deal in this Lycus River Valley. We even know from some extra biblical historical things about angels. What was the thrill about angels? Well, I think the fascination might have been this. If you think about angels, you get all the benefits, but you don't get any of the expectations of holiness and life change that God brings, right? Wouldn't an angel be cool, you know? The car breaks down and get a flat tire. The angel calls the tow truck company, you know? The tow truck just shows up, right? Now, I'm not making fun of angels because they're real, but what I'm making fun of is beginning to get so focused on angels that we miss what they're there for. They're ministering spirits. Every time an angel shows up in the Bible, most people want to go, whoa. They want to bow down because it's like, ho. And what does the angel always say? Don't worship me, worship God. So these people had gotten lost their way in terms of angel worship and were wanting to seem really, really important. I got a special inside track. I got a, I got a special angel that talks only to me. Come and get the stuff from me. And they were losing connection with the head. Ecstatic experiences. We can still do this in the 21st century. You know, There are people that are conference junkies. They just have to go to the latest thing and the latest buzz and the latest conference and, oh, they want to drop names of all the cool people, which is great. God's doing things in conferences. I don't mean that. But if that's the only place you go to get connected is to get the buzz and to get the woo and whoo, shaking and faking and baking, you know what? You're missing the whole point of what God's up to. Those experiences are not the thing. Jesus is the thing. Jesus is the head in that. And we've got to be careful not to be able to just always seek the emotion. You know, I was part of a church in my past, you know, where there was a certain sound, and every Sunday morning we had to get the, you know, what mighty God we serve, we had to whip the thing up, you know, and if you didn't feel some kind of little hair on the back of your neck, we didn't have church. We were missing the whole point. That was a cultural thing that we had confused with the presence of Jesus, saying we got to get the thing, we got to get the hairs. You know what? The hairs come and go on the back of your neck. Jesus is what we're looking for, okay? So don't chase those ecstatic experiences. Yeah, they're real, Yes, they happen. Thank you, God, when God breaks in and does something in our lives that's extraordinary in the life of our church. We're good with that, but we don't stop and worship that thing. We go on to Jesus is what that thing is pointing to us. So they were making a mistake about ecstatic experiences. What else? Rigid rules. Verse 20 and 23. He says, if with Christ you died, meaning since you died with Christ, we see that from the last paragraph where we were just before, meaning you've already died with Christ. If that's true, you've died to the elemental spirits of the world, the demonic spirits that are A, B, C, five easy steps to, little baby steps, good human thinking, you know, moderation in everything, you know, don't run with scissors, you know, all those kinds of sort of elemental kinds of things, right? Floss your teeth every day. You know, these are the things he says, since you died to those things, those elemental things now in Christ, why do you live like you're still in that place. Look what he says. He says, uh, why do you live as though you're still alive in the world? You submit to regulations. So whatever this ism was that was coming against the church had a lot of rules. Now, what is it about rules that we like? We actually hate them, but we like them. It's a weird relationship, right? And in religion, rules are a way to say, I'm ticking off the boxes. I'm doing good. I'm on my way to the promised land because I did my, my religious rituals. I did, did my rules. I've kept all the rules. The rich young ruler, you know. Oh, man, talk about being out of touch with reality. Jesus says, what does the Old Testament say? I just kept all those, he said. Yikes, that's a scary dude. Somebody who was into rules. Jesus says, well, here's one last thing. And, of course, that's the thing he didn't want to give up. That was, a, that was the hard issue for him. 
But we like rules because we can tick them off and, and it can make us feel like, yes, I did my thing for the day and, and makes us feel better because I ticked off five, but you only ticked off four, so I must be good. Rules can get in the way, and that's what was taking place in this ism. He said these rules do not handle, do not touch. I mean, do not taste. He's probably even getting sarcastic here. Don't even touch it. You know, that's, that's real spirituality. I don't, I, don't, I don't even touch it. Referring to things that perish and are used, why do you submit to these things that are human precepts in teaching? So whatever this thing that was coming against the church, it was all very much rules-based. And, and, and when we get off as leaders in church, when we get twisted, when we lose the plot, it, we want to put rules on people because it keeps them under our thumb. It keeps them doing the thing that we want to do. It, it oils the machine or whatever that is. And, and we can get quickly off base as leaders. And whoever these leaders were that were promoting this, this philosophy, this ism, they were sticking the rules on to keep the people under their thumbs. Paul says, why are you doing that? You've been freed from that in Jesus. When we talked about Andy read it this morning, all that stuff's been nailed to the cross. It's dead. Why are you going back to it? According to human precepts and teachings... He says, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom. They seem like they're good, right? All those rules, all that stuff, those, they seem like, well, that's, that's spiritual. He says, they have a wisdom in promoting a self-made religion and an asceticism and a severity to the body. It seems like they're a good thing. It seems like you're gaining ground. God must be happy because you're denying all these things which seem fleshly and wrong, right? He says, but they're of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. That approach, that white-knuckle approach to Christianity and life change, Paul says, it'll never work. It does not accomplish what you want it to accomplish. These rigid rules were getting in the way of a relationship with Jesus. Let me give you an illustration from my past. I got saved in middle school, and by the time I was in high school, I was involved in a vibrant Christian community. I was growing like a weed. We're planting you know, outreach ministries in our high school, and it was just a very, very powerful time in Jesus in my high school years. Um, and we had a lot of really good Christian leaders in our life that were teaching us about Christian dating as I started to date. You know, here's a whole bunch of Christian rules. Here's how you have to do this. You know, be home by 10 o'clock. You know, never stop the car on a dark road with just you and her, you know. Uh, you know, never go into the house if somebody's in, not in the house. You know, there was all these Christian rules, which were good Christian rules for dating. I understand what was behind them, but how many of you know when those rules get put on you, when your hormones are in overdrive, you just kind of want to do that thing because you're curious why it's so off limits. That's what rules do to us. Nobody ever explained to me that I can remember. I might have blocked it out. But, you know, in my dating years, and my hormone overdrive years, here's why it's good to be a virgin when you're married because you'll never have to think about another woman in your sexual relationship with your wife for the rest of your life. You, it'll only be you and her. There's no memories. There's no skeletons in the closet. This is such a blessing from God to be a one-woman man. Nobody ever explained that to me. I can say amen to that now after 35 years of, of marriage with Dean. I get that. But it was just all about the rules at that time. And so the rules didn't really give life. They actually had the opposite effect. So we have to be very c careful about rules. We can do this if we're not careful when new Christians come into the church. We teach them about the free grace of Jesus and, and the unmerited favor of Jesus, and you don't have to accomplish anything for your salvation, which is all the word of God. And they get saved, and then the first day we say, oh, oh you can't do that anymore. 
no, 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 that's, that's, that's off limits. No, this is. And we start to throw all these rules on people and they think, what? It's almost like a switch and bait. You said there was free grace from God for salvation, but now that I'm in the club, you got to do all the fine print, you know? And we, we, if we're not careful with new Christians, we just run them right out of the kingdom because it's all about rules. Maybe some of you experience that. And rules bring death. But a relationship with Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit brings life. Jesus said, I've come to have life, abundant, flowing over, on your shirt, on the ground, running down the road. That's the kind of life that Jesus has brought. So we have to be careful about rules. Yeah, there are things in the Word of God for our protection. If you can come back next week, we're going to look at the other side of the coin. So don't go away saying, no rules, no rules today, because there are some rules, all right? But we have to understand why the rules are there. They're there because of God's presence in our life. I'm getting excited about next week. Just let me stop there. Okay. Be careful about rules, rigid rules, because they're of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. White-knuckle Christianity will never work. You'll never be able to change from the outside in. You'll never be able to put enough girdles on, enough things on your life to keep that out. The only true change that happens in the Christian life comes from the inside out. This is why we have to have grace for new Christians that have just accepted Christ. It takes a little time to you know, get all that stuff sorted out. But it gets sorted out because Jesus is revealing to them and they're looking in the word of God and they're seeing the value of what a Christian life is in those of us lived around them. They say, you know what? That, why am I keep doing that? That's stupid. And they're like, yeah. You know, and Jesus is showing that. And that's where the inside out kind of change takes place in the Christian life. But rules won't help us in that. So there was this self-made religion, religious rituals, ecstatic experiences, rigid rules. Why is this such a big deal? I'm all hot and sweaty and bothered about it. I bet Paul would have been hot and sweaty and bothered about it. Just reading between it is a big deal for him. Uh, this was a serious problem for this church. Why such a big deal? Well, here's, I think, what the big deal is. Self-made religion only leads to one place. Self. So when we do designer religion and we take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and well, that seems to be good to me. And, you know, we, we, we read, a, read a book that talks about, you know, a religion of one's old guide, a guide to creating a personal spirituality, all that'll ever do is focus on ourself. And we know from the scriptures, our self will never save us. There's nothing in us that we can find our inner being that'll bring us salvation because it's all gone apart from Christ. It's dead apart from Christ. It's worthless. There's nothing that can ever save us except for something from the outside, the power of God through Jesus Christ, through his resurrection, through his blood, the things we talked about last week. So I want to remind you about how we get saved. We don't get saved through doing things and from making up stuff and checking off lists and uh, becoming a good something. No. Look at first, uh, in Colossians 1.13. We've dealt with this before. He says, Jesus has delivered us from the domain of darkness and had transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Andy read this earlier in, at the end of chapter 1. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of the debt that stood against us with its legal demands. These he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over him. That's the essence of salvation. And if you're trying to get saved through setting up some kind of designer religion this morning, I want you to know it's never going to work. That's the bad news. But the good news is you don't have to figure it out. 
Jesus has made a way at the cross. His blood is sufficient for us. And all we do is we say, God, I admit that I need you. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm lost. Jesus, come into my life. Heal me. Free me. I want to be your child. I want to spend eternity with you, Jesus. That's repentance. That's coming to Christ. That's what gets us into the kingdom, not something we've accomplished or some box we've ticked off, some religious stew that we've cooked up. Only by the blood of Jesus are we saved. But it's not just salvation. Sometimes we can go back, even after we're saved, and start acting like that again. So as Christians, we can start to think, okay, it's stuff i got to do, and I, I feel guilty, and, you know, you go to bed at night, did I do enough stuff today? And, oh, I should have helped that homeless dude, you know, and I, I, did I do enough of this? And, uh, you know, and we beat ourselves up in that because we're thinking that we're accomplishing something in our own life, making us more Christ-like. Yeah, we participate with the, with the Lord, but it's Jesus who is making us new by his power of the Holy Spirit. Look at uh, 2, 6 to 7. We read this last week. Therefore... Just as you receive Jesus through faith, by grace, unmerited favor, in that same way, walk in him. So keep on continuing in the way that you got saved. Keep continuing as you grow in Christ. It's the same gig, is what he's saying. Rooted and built up in him, established by the faith, just as you were taught according to thanksgiving. So we got to be careful about this whole designer religion thing, this self-made religion thing. It's out there. It's coming against us. We're going to run into it at the water cooler at work. It's all around us. But the good news I want you to say is we don't have to figure it out. God has given us his word and his life and the presence of his Holy Spirit to show us the way. And this is the good news about God. That's all we have to do is walk with him through that. He's made a way. Everything we need for life and godliness is included here (laughs) through his power and through his presence in Jesus. Andy, you want anything? Let's stand together and pray. Lord, I want to ask you for protection. You've, you put the shepherd's heart in me, Lord, and I, and I feel that. Lord, protect us from the evil one. Protect us from these isms and this, this stuff that gets us off track, Lord. Would you give us a clear understanding of who you are in Jesus a clear understanding of what our salvation means, a clear understanding of how we grow in you, Jesus. Free us from rules and regulations and conformity and all the stupid stuff that's human things, Lord. Lord, I pray increasingly this would be a church that's even freer than it is. Not a church that's full of lawlessness, Lord, but a church that's full of freedom growing in you and becoming more like you. Ask for your protection, Lord, and we ask for your deliverance from these things, Lord. Even repent now if there's something on your heart that you've sort of cooked up and you're thinking, this is my thing. Just say, I don't need it. I I turn it away. It's filthy rags right now. Protect us from deceit, Lord. You're such a good God. You're such a good Father. We thank you in this, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Bless you. Have a wonderful week. Andy's got some more. Just, just one thing. Uh, so just a reminder, today is the Looking In Lunch. So if you've never been to a Looking In Lunch before, uh, it's a place where if you're new, you can come meet people from our community. You can meet connect group leaders. You can meet uh, some of the eldership team. and Just a real good place to meet people and, and find a connection into the community, ask questions, and really hear the vision of everything that we do. And then just a rem- uh, that's taking place in probably uh, 10 or 15 minutes in the back corner there. So just hang around, go grab yourself a, copy, a coffee, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, everyone.